omagina tumandasya jinajina salakaya chakshon militanyena tasmai shri gurave namaha panchakaputu bischa kripa sindu bivacha patita nam pamadebyo vaishnavejunamoha so good evening i apologize for my tardiness on monday I hope you can give me a break on that one. Hopefully we will be able to make it through this evening without <clears throat> some difficulties. So, we are at the section of Madhurya Kadamani, in the third cloud bank, where we are confronting the position of the Kanista Adhikari, the sadhika, who's taken to devotional practice and who is trying to rise from the stage of unsteady practice in his devotional service to steady practice. So from anista, against steadiness, anista bhajana kriya, to steady bhajana kriya. And in order to help us rise above that stage, Vishwanath is taking us by the hand and guiding us through <clears throat> a rather detailed understanding of anarthas and aparads. Although the stage is carded anartha nivritti, it includes also aparads or actually offenses. Difference basically between the two is uh, anarthas are those <coughs> residue, some scaras coming from, as you mentioned at the end of last class, uh, pious and sinful results, uh, pious and sinful uh, impressions upon the consciousness created uh, by our association with Krishna's external energy. And seeing that energy <clears throat> as independent from him and as subordinate to us. So try as we will, we try to uh, subordinate that material energy, bend it to our will, so to speak. Uh, try to in, exploit it in uh, so many ways. And unfortunately, uh, despite all that we do to bend it to our ways, ultimately in the end, we're not successful. But that doesn't stop us from trying again and again. And even those that are much more powerful than ourselves, or perhaps we were that powerful at one time, uh, have uh, exerted... Uh, hundreds and thousands of years of, of effort in order to try to conquer over Krishna's external energy, they're forgetting one thing, it's Krishna's Shakti. And it doesn't matter, all the Jiva Shakti that we may have does not match up to Krishna's Shakti. So even his, he's Shaktiman, and he possesses so many Shaktis. And the material energy, he... He manifests it uh, through his various Purusha avatars. And uh, 
He puts uh, various people in charge of various departments. Uh, it's referred to as the Maya Shakti, that uh, Shakti of illusion that makes us think uh, this is here for our pleasure and uh, that we are the master that of, of all we survey. And uh, so many thoughts come into the mind. So, Anista Bhajna Kriya, Vishwanath breaks it down into four basic categories. Those arising from piety, well, first, impiety. And it takes us back to that explanation he gave when he was explaining the first two symptoms of the practice of devotion. So in the beginning, he said that first we have Kleshagna and Subhada, that all these things do fall away, beginning with our ignorance, followed by uh, the other Kleshas. So he explained that in the beginning, the first stage of devotional practice, if we look at devotional practice in three broad categories, devotional service in, in practice, devotional service in ecstasy, and devotional service in pure love of God, there are two symptoms that manifest in each of those two stages, I'm sorry, three stages, uh, and the first two in the first stage of devotional service and practices, which is basically the, 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 the place of, of, of our practice, sadhana bhakti, so the sadhika, uh, is is applying himself there. Duskritotha anartha. Sukritotha anartha. So duskritotha, dealing with the kleshas. So these kleshas create problems for us. The first two, duskritotha and sukritotha, are related to the senses and the mind. Uh, and Basically, we can grossly say they are, they are sins of the, of, the, of, the, of the material, of our immaterial involvement. Duskritotha being those uh, offenses that manifest and follow ignorance, avidya. Then the sukritotha basically means, comes into two basic categories. That being um, offenses of the desire to enjoy and uh, the desire to uh, to end suffering, to become liberated, moksha. I'm trying to find that uh, those two words anyway. After we he dealt with and we we've covered these two areas of skins, uh, sins of the flesh, so to speak, One, those following ignorance uh, and uh, the, that are a result of our impious activity coming into this body, then the desire to, to attain pleasure or uh, liberation so if we, one thing I wanted to mention in regard to these two, which, uh, which we can easily understand is not everyone 
coming to the practice of devotional service in this life is going to experience those two, the, the retirement of those sins or those tendencies associated with the material body in the same way because everyone's coming with different baggage. The retirement of that baggage is not always going to be the same. Somebody may have more of one thing, less of another. Somebody may have a lot of piety. Uh, Somebody may have a, a lot of lust. When we look to our contemporaries and we see how they're having to deal with the retirement of those things that are associated with their current mental state coming to the practice of devotional service, not everybody's going to react the same. Not everybody's going to, you know, has the same, has to deal with the same stuff, I guess is the easy way to put it. Uh, We're all individuals and we're all, you know, coming here from some difference in background. And even if you're born under the same sign, uh, still, the background may not be the same. I have a godbrother who's close with me, who we were both born on the same day, but... The same year. Same, yeah, same year. And we don't carry the same baggage. <laughs> now, maybe if we'd been born in the same place, we would. Maybe those, uh, what do you call that... Uh, When twins are born together, you know, fraternal, fraternal, paternal, I don't know. Maybe their karma's closer, I don't know. But even I'm sure you'll find some differences there. So, the, 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 again, come back and remember the fact that when we even talked, when Vishwanath brought up those six stages of unsteady practice, initial enthusiasm, running hot, running cold, thinking that you can change your environment and thereby change your your, uh, Krishna consciousness, wanting to be renounced, wanting to be be attached, thinking that I should should get get all my yah-yahs out, as the Stones would say, in this life before I go into my renunciation, uh, or no, I should just renounce. Uh, so those six stages of unsteady practice, I said they, they manifest, they're manifest symptoms of our material attachments, and not everybody's going to manifest the same symptoms. Now we come to the next, and now we talk about two categories of offenses that come about during the practice of our devotional service. Um, and those two categories of offenses, aparadotha, um, we've touched upon. Uh, basically, aparads, uh, and they are considered an anartha. Uh, so again, these t- last two categories are af- actually offenses. Offenses during our worship, seva aparad, offenses to the holy name. So, <clears throat> Aparadotha, Anartha, uh, basically deals with those offenses to the holy name and other offenses associated with 
those ten offenses. So as we said, you may, in your worship, there may be some offense that you make in your worship, and it, it's not a big deal unless it's done knowingly, it's done with a, with a consciousness that I can use the holy name to cover myself. So we need to be careful that in the worship of the deity, the seva, the seva operads, offenses during our worship, are not as severe as the Nama Aparats. Of course, we're in the age of Harinam Sankirtan. So, in this age, our method of practice, of devotion, centers around the Holy Name. So, that's where the offenses are the most severe. So, just take care that in our worship of the deity, which is very difficult for us to perform at the standard that it really should be performed, but we have the setback of Kali Yuga. So not only do we have the mental and the and the baggage coming that that brought us into a birth in Kali Yuga, uh, which is a real blessing in disguise, so to speak, because of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but that's a whole other class. <laughs> or two or more <laughs> so but you know what I'm saying We've, we're feeling that we're the most blessed so we're glad to be in Kali Yuga right now uh, no other Yuga would do it for us as well as <clears throat> Kali Yuga so uh, glad to be on the on the stage of having the association of, of Guru and, and Sadhus uh, during this age but still Offenses during seva are easily rectified by our continual chanting of the holy name, uh, as long as we don't let them mature into nam aparads by committing them repeatedly on the strength of our chanting knowingly. Um, and the last category of of the four offenses is Bhaktyutha. Uh, it's uh, Bhaktyutha. B-H-A-K-T-Y-U-T-H-A. I'm sorry, two T's. Y-U-T-T-H-A. Um, that we'll deal with later. Vishwanath deals with that in a few, la- few verses later on. Right now, Today's class and maybe the next class will deal specifically with the Nam Aparats and primarily with Sadhuninda, the king of all Aparats. And if properly understood and cautioned against, can can be a great blessing to us this understanding it's 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 phenomenal this is the main thing that hinders our advancement in chanting the holy name in getting past the whole stage of anartha nivritti are these offenses to the holy name led by <coughs> by offense to the devotees 
by offenses to the sadhu, sadhu ninda. It's the first of the ten offenses to the holy name. So it's uh, it's paramount that we understand uh, this offense and we understand it deeply, not superficially. It's not that we just don't offend devotees. Well, first, let's understand what does who does Krishna consider a devotee? How far does that go? What is that definition? Because if we don't want to offend somebody, we want to know, well, who is that person we don't want to offend? And I think you'll be amazed at the way of the way Vishnu uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur frames the response. And he frames it as it comes from Krishna's mouth, as Krishna says it. And the last of the four are um, are offenses that that come from our practice of bhakti itself. And those closely tie in with the sixth of the unsteady symptoms of devotional practice. So if you remember the sixth, the sixth was surfing on the waves of our bhakti. Ashramara should get it if he was here. So we it's nice we we come to a stage in our practice where everything starts to go our way and then in in we kind of like that every time i walk in the room somebody throws a garland around my neck and offers offers uh, you know lays down on the ground in front of me every place i go they give me a nice room a nice place to stay they feed me sumptuously when I speak, they look attentively, and all of a sudden, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. This is good. This is nice. I must have done something right. Well, when you start thinking like that, then you're thinking you're you're starting to do something wrong. You're starting to you're starting to forget that all this good fortune is is coming through someone to you that you are simply das, das, auto das and somebody is empowering you to serve them. I don't know if you've heard the uh, the story of the I think it started as a mouse all the way up to the uh, to the tiger Anybody heard that story? Yeah. One person, two persons. Anyway, we'll get to that when we get to the to the to the fourth of these stages, these four categories of uh, uh, anarthas. So uh, that category being the one that comes from riding the waves of bhakti riding the waves of our good fortune. So, we're on the third tonight. We're looking at Nama Aparad. Uh, and 
we're going to kind of walk through these. I'm first going to read to you Vishwanath's verse from Madhurya Kadambani, uh, where he gets into this deep, deeper understanding. In this verse, he does not relay all the ten offenses. However, we're going to quickly go through the ten offenses to the holy name, because when we look at when we look at the presentation, really they're 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 included because he's talking about, you know, nam operats. So, sat or sarunninda, blaspheming Vaishnavas is the first of the ten nam operats. Ninda also means hatred, enmity, and such. If someone accidentally commits this offense, I can't see it. Okay. He should feel, I am so sinful that I have offended the sadhus. A person gets burnt by fire gets relief from fire. According to this logic, I should fall at the feet of those sadhus I have offended and satisfy them. Thus, to nullify the offense of sadhu ninda, one should, with a repentant heart, pay obeisances, glorify and give respects to the sadhu he has offended. If one is is unable to satisfy the sadhu in this way, then he should serve him favorably for many days to satisfy him. When the offense is so grave that the anger of the Vaishnava is not calmed in any way, then one should repent, shame on me. As the offense committed by me to the devotee is not nullified by any means. Now I will fall down in millions of hells. He should then constantly take soul shelter of Nam Sankirtan, giving up all other activities. By the divine power of Nam Sankirtan, sometime in the future, the person thus repenting will be definitely freed from the offense. However, let me just give you a caution here. However, if someone thinks Shastra says that people taking the shelter of the holy name can be freed from sins by Nama itself, so why should I humble myself? By falling at the feet of the sadhu again and again. I should simply take the shelter of Nam Sankirtan, the best way of nullifying the offense. This idea will again make one guilty of Nam Aparad. There's just really no out here. I'm sorry. When you offend a devotee, you have to beg forgiveness. There's no way around it. Only if he won't forgive you are we allowed to just simply take shelter of the holy name. But if you tie to if you try to bypass begging forgiveness from somebody that you've offended by thinking I can just take shelter of the holy name, it says right there in the scripture, then that in itself is another offense. It's an offensive attitude, and you're at a loss. The offense cannot be nullified. So primarily in this nullification of offenses, 
has to be a true sense of repentance. You have to, it cannot be a superficial thing. And if the sincerity is there, even if the sadhu offended is of such a character, and we're going to get to that later, the character of devotees, I'm not going to bypass it. It has have a has a, a big influence on on our offenses. When we when we look at this properly, um, there is just no way around honest, truthful repentance whenever we offend a devotee. Now, we're going to discuss according to Vishwanath and Lord Krishna himself, who's a sadhu. Because maybe we're not really clear on whether that definition is very narrow or very broad. Because it would be good to know. Wouldn't it? So that I know how, who, who do I really have to fall at the feet of? Can I like avoid that? You know, so we're going to go there too. Uh, let us quickly go over the ten offenses. You all know them by heart since your initiation. First one being Vaishnavaparad. The second one being which is Not listening or disrespecting the guru, right? That's three. According to this list, maybe it, maybe there's different order. Oh, you mean in order? Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't remember. Anything. Okay, so anyway, the second offense, you're right, you got the third offense, is offending the oh, spiritual master. I then from the worst. Yeah. Yeah, except my spiritual master made the worst, number seven, committing sinful activity on the strength of chanting which is what we've talked about for a while here. So, um, I mean, that's what he emphasized. He said, this is the worst offense of chanting the Holy Name. So why did he do that? Well, I wrote a whole article on that. Uh, but we'll save that discussion for later. So, first offense is to blaspheme the devotees. Second offense is to is to not understand that, well, they say Shiva, actually in the verse it's mentioned Shiva. The second offense is mentioned in the second half of the first sloka. It has uh, two types of explanation. If one considers the name qualities and such of Mahadev and Vishnu as different, then it is an offense. And you say, well, Mahadev, Lord Shiva, isn't, doesn't have the same qualities of Vishnu. But what they're really saying here is Vishnu's, Mahadev's qualities come from Vishnu. So you shouldn't see his qualities as separate from Vishnu's. So all his powers are Vishnu's powers. He doesn't have separate powers. That's one way, one thing that needs to be considered. And also considering the all-auspicious name, forward qualities, and activities of Lord Vishnu 
as different from his eternal personality. So when we say Krishna's name, form, qualities, and pastimes, they are all transcendentally potent. So we don't discriminate and say, well, the name's potent, but the form isn't, or the leela isn't. They're all the same, of the same category, pure Krishna. They are all part of his manifestation. So that's an offense if we don't look at that in that light, in the proper understanding. Uh, they're all one and the same. As it said in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Third offense is to disrespect the Guru, uh, not uh, and to consider him consider him material. Uh, to to not look at the spiritual master as actually a manifestation of Krishna himself come into our lives to, to help us. He's coming under Krishna's direction and he functions the same as Krishna in our spiritual advancement. To not seem as such, that's the third offense. Um, fourth offense is to blaspheme uh, scripture. Uh, uh thinking that it's not specifically the Shrutis. The Shrutis are, are the, the breath of Krishna. So to think that the scripture is actually um, material in any way, you know, what Krishna says. It's all descending. It's all completely transcendental. Uh, the Sanskrit ter- term is apurusaya. Uh, hmm? No, no, I was just thinking about the same thing like Guru Maharaj was saying that uh, you cannot trace where they are coming from, you know, when they are doing studies that like no human wrote it. I mean, right. they did, but they cannot place it. It's, yeah, so. it's divine. Yeah. So, um, it's, a, it's an offense to blaspheme those literatures and to not understand their spiritual potency. <clears throat> And the way we Gaudiyas look at it is actually Shruti, and when we look at the Smriti, the Smriti is based on what Krishna says. It's written by the great saints and devotees, the sadhus. So we put more, without that explanation, we would be lost. So we put more emphasis on that. Interesting enough. So for us, Smriti is more significant than than, Shr- than Shruti, or equally significant, let's say it that way. So we don't perform an offense to the holy name. Okay? All right. Fifth offense is to think that everything we read about Krishna's name, form, qualities, and pastimes is in any way an exaggeration. We may not be able to understand it, We may not be able to wrap our mind around it. We may not be able to intellectually conceive of the fact that a simple one-time utterance of Krishna's name is sufficient to nullify more sins than we could ever commit. We hear that and it's like, 
We're talking about Krishna. Billions and trillions and uncountable universes flow from his pores. And he can't, his name alone can't wipe out the little sins one jiva can commit since time immemorial? No, it can. And to think that it can't, that, that creates an offense. So we have to be careful to remember who we're dealing with. We're dealing with Krishna here. And Balaram, who's his stronger half. No, who's leaning on who? Uh, sixth offense is, hey, the scriptures have told us what is the significance of the holy name. We don't need to make anything up. We don't need to say, well, and it, and it means this. And it means that. <coughs> so sometimes you'll see devotees, especially, you know, young kanistas or people that are not associated with the bona fide spiritual master and therefore have no protection under his good guidance, just make things up as they go along. That does not work. Stay under good guidance. And don't, you don't need to make... There is so much, such a wealth of, of truthful, accurate, spiritually potent and transcendental descriptions of Krishna's name, form, and pastimes. We don't need to make anything up. We don't use, need to use this little thing to try to approach transcendence and try to impress people by it. Like... I've come to a new revelation. Hey, just why don't you try to actually experience the real revelations that are already there? Do that and you'll be more than satisfied. Now we made it almost. <clears throat> we'll see. All right. So that is the sixth offense. Just don't make up anything. That's pretty easy. That's a lot of reading you have to do so you don't, though. So, you know, get ready to study a lot of books if you're so inclined. <coughs> or just study one book. Gorakishore Das Babaji, he said, you could just study two little books, you'll be fully Krishna conscious. Naratam's book. I forget which one. I uh, should have looked it up. Anyway, uh, seventh offense is the one Prabhupada, my spiritual master, stressed as the most most severe <clears throat> to commit sinful activities on the strength of chanting. And we've kind of thoroughly went over that. Uh, there's just no way to game the Krishna conscious system. Sorry. You have to be sincere. You have to be serious. You have to really want this. I know we have a tendency, you know, we have a tendency to cheat. We have imperfect senses. We're certain to be illusion. And we have a tendency to cheat. You know, these are four defects of our material existence. Let's just not carry those into our spiritual practice as much as we can. The 
the eight defense. Yeah, well, we've already heard how pot spiritually potent the holy name is. Uh, let's not be so foolish to think that any amount of piety, any amount of other types of material activities could in any way give the benefit to the jiva that the holy name can. That's pretty easy. As long as we're in good association, we're not probably not going to go out and try to start a big fire sacrifice so that we can go to heaven. You know. And if you do, get ready to run because your guru is going to be chasing you with the pole. You know, he has a stick he carries with him all the time for that purpose. So, yeah, let's just not, it's, it's pretty simple. That's not, let's not be so bewildered that we think any of this other stuff presented in the Vedas is of any real significance um, in comparison with what's really good for someone who takes to the chanting of the holy name. They're not equal. Ten is, despite all that we've heard about the benefits of chanting, hearing, remembering, worshipping, being with, loving Krishna, after all that we've heard, to still not kindle that desire, that's not good for us. And that's an offense to the holy name. You've been offered everything. The guru has come and he's laid before you a feast of spiritual prospect. And to rather want to turn around and go back to our material existence, that's an offense. Sometimes we sometimes our material existence will yank us back. It's a fact. Until our faith is really strong. We may be yanked back. But our intention that we should, although Maya may get the better of us and yank us back, we should still want to be Christian's devotee through and through. And despite my shortcomings, it doesn't make Krishna short in any way. He, he's there for us at every moment. So what really these these operads and these anarthas are doing is they're basically they're hiding Krishna from us. Krishna's there wanting and, and these things are standing in the way. So, Cheto Darpanamarjanam, just keep working on clearing the heart and don't let any of these things get the better of us. So, now the author concentrates on Sadhu Ninda, the king of the offenses. The one, if properly understood uh, and avoided, uh, makes everything simple, our advancement simple. So he brings the the commentator, 
Ananda Das Babaji in his commentary gives us a few nice quotes and I wanted to share those with you this evening. Sridhar Swami, now if we remember Sridhar Swami, what's the significance of Sridhar Swami's commentary on the Bhagavatam? Who relished it? Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself relished his commentary. So in his commentary, he says the following. Nindanam dosakirtanam. Whether it's true or not. Narrating the faults of a sadhu is included in blasphemy. Well, one may say such a sadhu who has faults should be rectified. The answer is that only spiritually powerful personalities like the guru or guardians of the devotees can rectify them, not a sadhika devotee. Anybody remember the source of the six, of Krishna's six younger brothers? Yes. Brahmas um, are somebody like mind and senses or something like that. They were... Uh, during the during the reign of, of Swayambhuva Manu, who's this first Manu in this day of Brahma, remember there are 14 Manus, each has 71 cycles of the four Yugas that he's in charge of. So, during the first cycle, first Manu, Swayambhuva Manu, great, great Rishi Marichi, had six sons. Now, if you, I don't know if you heard this yet or, or not, but Brahma was a little, had, a, had an errant thought come into his mind at one time. And he desired sex with his daughter. These six sons of Marichi. They caught, of course, their rishis there. They were highly placed individuals themselves. They became aware of it. And they they basically laughed at Brahma. You're Brahma, creator of the universe, and, and this lustful thought has entered your mind. How can you be a Brahma? You can imagine, you know, they're just upstarts and it's like, <laughs> I'm the son of a Rishi here. I got control of my mind. Here's Brahma, the creator of the universe, and he's, he's letting lust come into his. <laughs> what kind of Brahma is him? Ha, 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 Immediately they fell down. They took birth as the uh, the sons of Hiranyakasipu, and then later uh, they took birth as the sons of Devaki. You will he see also hear some commentators on the Bhagavatam speak of them as representative in their manifestation. Uh, their births as the son of Devaki as uh, lust, anger, greed, madness, illusion, and envy. 
these things had to be completely cleared out before the Supreme Lord appeared. So that analogy is also sometimes given there. This is Brahma. Yes, he had an errant thought, and yes, it was dealt with. But you would think somebody as powerful as him to, to point that out would be okay. Well, this is an example of why it's considered blasphemy. So it, it's, it gives us pause and, and, and reason to give some serious thought to, to any ideas we may have that we're in a position to correct people that are, that are uh, Krishna's devotees. Uh, finding those faults uh, in and of itself uh, is considered blasphemous. And uh, those were some heavy demoniac bursts to take as a consequence of just poking fun at, a, at the thought that Brahma had. Skanda Purana. So again, that was Sridhar Swami saying, giving us an idea that blasphemy of the devotee, whether it is or it isn't, it's basically what he's saying, what? Always err on the side of caution. Right? Whether it's true or not, narrowing a fault of a sadhu is included in blasphemy. That's Sridhar Swami. Whether it's true or not, if you do it, it's blasphemy. These great sages uh, move in mysterious ways. And their explanations to us are also rather mysterious. We don't find faults with the devotees. We don't blaspheme the devotees. Uh, Skanda Purana, a little deeper explanation of what is the six types of Vaishnav Aparad. To kill a Vaishnav, oh, that's pretty obvious. <laughs> <laughs> to blaspheme him. To hate him. To not greet him. Be angry with him. And not being glad to see him. As I said earlier, the only... We have to be truly repentant if any of these things are there in our dealings with Krishna's devotees. I will say for the next class, well, who are we talking about? Is that everybody? Is that a broad or a narrow definition when we look at when the scripture says don't offend the sadhu, the Vaishnav sadhu, what is it referring to? Everybody? Nobody? Just the ones that are? So, we'll hold that for next class. We'll take off there. And I'll ask if anybody has any questions. If not, I'll give you a couple nice verses from the Chaitanya Bhagavat regarding the exalted position of devotees. Any questions? Everybody understand what we discussed tonight? Very beginning of the Chaitanya Bhagavat, Vrindavan Das Thakur <clears throat> points out that Krishna is declared in his uh, literatures 
all the throughout the Vedas and specifically the Srimad Bhagavatam, worship of my devotee is superior to worship of me. Aradanam Aradananam Sarvesam Vishnur Aradanam Param Of all types of worship. Worship of Lord Vishnu is best, and better than the worship of Lord Vishnu is the worship of his devotees, the Vaishnav. One who performs worship of Lord Govinda, but fails to worship his devotees, should be understood to be not a devotee of the Lord, but simply a victim of false pride. Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Goswami Maharaj writes the following in his commentary on this. And this is right at the beginning of Chaitanya Bhagavad. Verse 8. The word dada means drida or determination. In the path of awe and reverence, the Supreme Lord alone is worshipped and his servants are the worshippers. But in the path of spontaneous attachment, awe and reverence are not prominent in the relationship between the object of worship and the worshiper. Rather, the attitude of service is prominent. Basically what he's saying here is Vaiti, the Vaiti practitioner the one that's worshipping with awe and reverence, he's not seeing Krishna's associates. What's his destination? Vaikuntha. If you want Vraj Bhakti, you see Krishna and all of his associates. And you worship the associates more than you worship Krishna. So that's our path. That's the path of attachment. Raganuga Bhakti. I'll stop there. Thank you so much. Hare Krishna.